ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do that is by email, and the email address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sf, Sioux Falls, sfcatholic.org. I'm joined on the phone uh, on this episode of Ignition by Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating, how are you? Great, thank you. Good, and I'll give you an opportunity here to introduce yourself in a moment. Today, Deacon Jim and I are going to be talking about his his answer to the question, what does it mean to be Christian? I think a lot of us, whether Catholic or, or Christian of another tradition, Maybe we're not Christian at all, but we have an idea of, of what it means to be Christian. And I, I, uh, I found it valuable just to ask different guests um, who I have on Ignition how they answer that question, because I think sometimes we're surprised by maybe presumptions or ideas we had. Some of them are, are probably true, like uh, Christians have something to do with Jesus, uh, should be true, uh, but maybe other ideas that we have um, maybe aren't quite as, as accurate or on target, even for us who are Catholic or other Christians. So that's what Deacon Keating and I are going to be talking about today on Ignition. If you've never listened to the show before, again, my name is Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls in South Dakota. I've uh, been in that role since 2002. Um, so going, uh, this is my 18th year, as as you're hearing this live or shortly thereafter. Um, been married to my wife, Jermaine, since 1999. She's originally from Ohio. I'm from Minnesota, but all five of our kids are born and raised here in eastern South Dakota, um, a state and a diocese that we uh, loved and have only grown to love over time. Deacon Jim, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit to our listeners? Sure. I'm married to Mary Ann. This is our 33rd year of marital bliss. <laughs> we have four children and um, I've been a deacon for 20 years. And a theologian in the Institute for Priestly Formation at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. And I've been there for 13 years, uh, assisting that uh, mission in teaching diocesan seminarians and priests how to remain with Christ in contemplative prayer, even in the midst of their busy ministries. Uh, Deacon Jim, sometimes we'll have to have you back on Ignition to hear about your story, but what, what's the nutshell version of the theologian part? Why, why did you um, decide to uh, spend money on an education um, in the science of theology? I, I had a, um early-on teenage experience of prayer that was so deep, um, I took a class after it to, to learn more about this this Jesus who loved me so much. And when I took the class, I realized it was something that I wanted to stay immersed in my whole life, that is, contemplating the one who had touched me so deeply in prayer. And then someone told me, you can actually do that. You can be this thing called a theologian, and off I went. I said, why would anyone do something other than that uh, when you can spend your whole life and get a paycheck and sit all around all day thinking about God? Amen to that. (laughs) 
Okay, so uh, I suspect we're going to hear maybe some of those things come out uh, in this episode. So, Dick and Jim, just initial thoughts. How do you answer the question, what does it mean to be Christian? It means uh, to be... uh, It means to encounter Jesus Christ as alive, inviting you to remain with him liturgically, in the sacramental life, so that fruit is born in your behavior and attitudes in the secular world. So um, let's let's unpack that near the beginning to encounter Jesus Christ as alive. So I think many of us as Christians might be thinking, okay, well, I, I know that Jesus rose from the dead, so I know he's alive, but I feel like. Um, this guy in the radio means something more than that. What do you mean when you say to encounter him as alive? I know he's alive. What, what do you mean by that? Well, I guess it, it has to move from, you know, what uh, Cardinal Newman talked about, notional knowledge and real knowledge. And notional knowledge was that. Yeah, I know. I read about that. He is alive. He rose from the dead. It's abstract. So and this is not up to us, and that's the great mystery of faith. That's what faith is. It's a gift. And so it's not up to us that we know he's alive. Somehow Jesus has to make knowledge that he's alive real, and that means it affects our bodies, so much so that my body then acts differently because I have knowledge, real knowledge, that this Jesus is still alive. He's not a historical figure from the dark past, um, dead and buried. He's still moving and affecting us, and this movement and this affecting us is happening in our bodies not an abstract knowledge, but something real. I've encountered him. This can be mediated through personal prayer, can be mediated through the sacramental life, it can be mediated through the Word of God, it can be mediated through another human being that you meet, where you realize through this relationship with this other human being that God is alive. I was speaking recently to a woman who dated this man who decided to become a priest, and her whole life was changed because she realized that God must be real for this man to have left her. Why else would she have uh, been abandoned, so to speak, because the relationship was very good. But he heard someone else, someone calling to somewhere else. And so her actual conversion into the Church was mediated by another human being. Wow. And she found out that God was alive. So... It's, again, it's not something that we choose, like, oh, you're a bad person, you don't know God's alive. The, the ball's in his court to some extent. He's got to uh, move in us so that we can sense he is real, and um, he loves us, and then that energizes us to spend the rest of our lives uh, wanting to respond to that great love. So if somebody's listening to this and... Um, I, I, I don't have that, that, that real knowledge as opposed to the notional knowledge that you, you referenced, Carl Newman's distinction. Um, I, I don't have that. And you're saying that, that that's got to be his initiative. I can't do anything about that. We talked uh, recently in another episode, you and I, about not seizing at, at, at a prayer life, but receiving it. What do, we, what do you say to the person who's like, wow, I, I don't have that. And you're telling me I can't get it um, by my own power. So what do I do? Will he not give it to me? 
Yeah, he'll give it to you, but um, it, we all have to stand in awe and wonder at the mystery of God, too. We can't uh, use him as a slot machine or a coin machine where we're going to do something, and then therefore we're going to have this, uh, this sure knowledge that he is alive. He is a mystery to be deeply respected. Let's put it this way. If you're a Christian and you're baptized in Trinitarian baptism, and you don't know that God is alive, then I would suggest that you find someone who has told you God is alive, sit down with that person, and listen to their story, and see if there are any reverberations in your own heart. The other problem with God is, if I can put it this way, is that sometimes he's really, really subtle. So you may may have been baptized as a baby, grown up in the Catholic tradition, for example, never had a affective movement of your heart indicating that God was alive, but you had the subtle confirming experiences that perhaps were so plentiful you don't even remember them or think about them because of their subtlety. And this is the origin of spiritual direction. Spiritual direction is a person assisting you to listen to your own life and to see where God has moved in you, perhaps in such subtle ways that you didn't even realize you had received his love. Last example would be a little boy grows up next to a girl who they play with, they bicycle together, and they eat ice cream together, and all of a sudden puberty hits, and the kid realizes that's a girl. And they had been together since almost birth as neighbors. And this is where we get the classic fall in love with the girl next door story, where they had grown so close, they didn't even realize that they were breathing each other's life in. And yet they, they ended up you know, staying together and affecting each other for the rest of their lives. And God can be like that. God is not always a thunderclap. God, in his subtlety, sometimes needs to be discerned. And when you discern it, then you receive his life even more fully. You're, you're reminding me there of the story of Elijah uh, and, and the mountain, and the Lord's not in the, the storm or the thunder or the lightning or the earthquake, but in the still, quiet breeze uh, that he hears. And what are we looking for as Americans? You know, all too often yeah. we're looking for the explosion, the, the NFL halftime show. And some of the greatest acts of love have just been a hand reaching for another hand in all quiet and solitude and silence. And so when we say, oh, I don't think Jesus is alive, I don't think he loves me, I would say, have you ever met someone who believes in Jesus? Oh, yes, I have. Then talk to that person. And again, listen for the reverberations in your own heart. See if their biography in any way brings to light experiences that you might have had that you didn't treasure, that you didn't cherish, and therefore they were stolen, like the seeds that fell on rocky ground. Mm. Um, And I think that if we do this, we'll be surprised at how deeply and often God has revealed his life and his love to us in the subtlety of the fabric of our ordinary days. Amen. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ignition. This is a broadcast for the New Evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, visiting today with Deacon James Keating of the Institute for Priestly Formation in Omaha, Nebraska, about what does it mean to be Christian? We've been talking about... um, 
the reality that, that God is alive and he approaches us. We don't approach him. And we have to sometimes really sort of pay attention, frankly, which we're not very good at as Americans. Uh, pay attention to the, the, the subtle signs, as you said, Deacon Jim, of his presence. Um, as you're talking there, I was thinking, too, of the, the, the question that I, I get sometimes, frankly, it's more of a complaint of people um, who who feel somehow inadequate in their faith because they don't have the, the dramatic conversion story. Um, they, they weren't a drunkard um, or an addict uh, or whatever it is who, who uh, turned their life around. I mean, sometimes, to be honest, I've, I've, I've heard conversion stories where it seems like one person is trying to outdo the other person. Oh, you, well, I did this and that. But there are other people, um, holy men and women, who have, who have always, I mean, I was thinking, as you describing the, the classic um, boy marrying the girl he grew up next to story, there are some people who have always been with the Lord, and it's just been sort of a continual deepening rather than some almost cataclysmic type event. Could you speak to those people a little bit? Yeah, and that's, again, the prejudice that we, we come into when we, when we talk about uh, Christianity as an encounter. The prejudice we come into is, again, through the lens of the American excitement culture, um, the American culture of distraction. But yes, um, the boy and the girl next door, they grew up almost uh, intertwined trees. Uh, they didn't know that they were drawing life from each other. They didn't know they were that close, but they they were and they are, and uh, they come to a deeper awareness and clearer consciousness of that as days go on, and then they reappropriate the choice to draw life from each other. But it's all subtle and calm and peaceful, and if you were asked this couple, how did you meet each other, they might actually say, well, we always knew each other. And so they can't put a date on it. Yeah. And there are a lot of Catholics like that because they were raised from the time they were babies in the liturgical world where Christ is constantly giving himself. And so if you would say to a Catholic, when did you meet Christ? They might say, oh, I don't know, I never did. But that's not right. Their, their real answer might be, I have always been with him, and I just never had anyone help me talk through it. We have been so close, like breathing the air, that I, I, was, I couldn't tell the difference between the, my life and the breathing the air of Christ. And so I needed someone to help me put words on what has always been. And I think that's the conundrum of a lot of cradle Catholics. They think they never experienced God, but they're so close to God, they just need assistance to detect it. And I think your answer, you've probably already um, given the answer, but why do you think it is that that's the case for, for so many cradle Catholics who really do have uh, a real living relationship with Jesus Christ, but they suspect or worry or are afraid that they don't because they don't, um, they can't put a, a, a date on it? Why, why, do you think, um, why, why do you think that is? I think in the Catholic culture, there is some type of um, pathology of articulation. We don't have a grammar of faith sharing, and so the faith uh, goes underground. It goes dormant. It goes silent. Because we don't share 
how God is active, how God had moved, how did God move in your life today, Jim? How did God move in your life today, uh, Elizabeth? Those are not questions Catholic asked each other, and so we lose or we never develop a grammar or vocabulary of interiority, and so the muteness feels like absence. Say that again. The the, the what feels like absence? Mute. We're mute about Jesus. Mute. Okay. So because we're mute, it feels like he's not there. Mm. Because no one in the Catholic culture draws out conversations of sharing the faith at the level of experience each day. How did God love you today? And and so we don't have the capacity for an interior grammar or vocabulary. So I think that's that's a helpful way kind of looking at what Christianity isn't to articulate what it is. What does it mean to be Christian? What else comes to your mind when you think of distortions of what Christianity is? When, when you know what what does it mean to be Christian? Sometimes we can um, understand that better by by recognizing what it isn't. What else comes to mind when you think about what what it doesn't mean to be Christian? Hmm. Well, I think the big thing, that, for at least in the Catholic perspective is that to be Christian means to leave some mark in the public arena. And and this is, you know, the highest mark, of course, is to be a martyr. So for a Christian, for a Catholic, to be liturgical, which is our atmosphere, our environment, we our matrix of living is liturgical. If we live in that matrix, we are naturally then martyrs giving some type of testimony in the public sphere. The distortion is, oh, he's saying we have to be political. No, not at all. We have to be martyrs. Martyrs give witness. Politicians try to gerrymand power. Mm. Very, it's very different. We give witness, come what may. You want to kill me? Kill me. You want to elect me governor? Elect me governor. But it doesn't matter what you're going to do to me, because I am still going to give witness to the life, death, and resurrection in my public life. When the tides turn that you will kill me, I'll take it. When the tides turn that Christians are elected to office, I'll take it. But our stance is not to grab or take or manipulate the culture through power and politics, our stance is to be a witness to what happens in the liturgy. The unconditional love of God revealed on the cross through the power of the resurrection is available to the world on the corner of Fifth and Maple at St. John's Church every Sunday. I give testimony to that. So deeply so, it has affected my body and my behavior and I will give testimony to that in public. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ignition. This is a broadcast for the New Evangelization. Deacon James Keating is my guest. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald, your host, and we're talking about what does it mean to be Christian. So right here, you're just pointing out that to, to, to be Christian, um, there has to be a public manifestation, if you will, of your faith. Not not um, necessarily in terms of political power, not in terms of political power, but in terms of bearing witness in whatever form that might happen. As you 
you were saying, if the culture, uh, you, if you want to let me govern, let me governor. If you want to kill me, kill me. Uh, again, that reminds me of that 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 attitude of receptivity um, that you were speaking about earlier, where this is the Lord's initiative, and and maybe to be a little bit trite, I'm just along for the ride. Yeah, the, what the saints call holy indifference. I'm, uh, I am being faithful. I am being faithful. I have been baptized. I know that God is alive in Jesus Christ. I encounter and participate in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus at every liturgy. That liturgy is changing me literally into the body of Christ. And now I live in this body of Christ peacefully, and I give testimony to where I live when asked and when appropriate. And what the culture does to me, I am indifferent to, because I am already faithful to what it means to be a human being. I have been reached by the love of Christ. Come what may, do what you want. I am not seeking anything in this world. I am only seeking to give testimony to the world. Um, as, as you're talking there, I was thinking the word indifference. I think there's a, another sense of the word indifference where it's what Bishop Barron, Bishop Barron Robert Barron calls the culture of meh, um, that apathyism, uh, as others describe it, where people just don't care about the faith. That's something to be avoided. That's not what you're talking about here. You're talking about a holy indifference. Could you say more about what that looks like? Because I think, again, because of that other sense of indifference, people think that sort of means like a, a passionless, blasé, blob kind of, uh, I don't know, way of living. That's not what holy indifference is, though, correct? No, when the saints use those terms, they're talking about radical freedom. So I, I am not going to bend to get your favors, world, uh, Democratic Party, Republican Party, financiers, education. I am not going to bend to get your favors, I am already spoken for, if you will, by the Trinity, by the living God. And so another way to say it would be self-possessed. I am so free that no one can possess me outside of myself. I am already possessed by what I receive every Sunday. The life, death, and resurrection has possessed me. And so by calling it holy indifference, the saints are saying radical freedom before the powers and the passing uh, uh, powers of this world. And, and we talked about some of this um, in last week's episode, talking about the season of Lent and the attitude of simplicity, and, and you really focused there on on the reality of, of, of how we pray in the Mass. Pray the Mass. Uh, simply, it's not about being entertained or being finding interesting, but how no matter what our affectivity, our feelings might be, our, our, that, that our emotional state at Mass, the reality is that we are literally being nourished by the Word of God in Scripture and the Word of God in the Eucharist by Jesus Himself, uh, and then that's kind of. I think it's dovetailing what we talked about last week with what we're talking about now in terms of how to 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 be a Christian um, and maybe to be a Christian more deeply, more fully, is as simple, as you said, going to Fifth and Maple and St. John's Church and participating in the Mass, which again is something we maybe have been doing every Sunday and occasionally on a weekday our entire lives. It's not flashy, it's not dramatic, but it transforms our life slowly but surely, right? Yeah, and this is the amazing thing about God, his great knowledge of our comfortability. 
uh, if I can put it that way. The incarnation is a little baby, not flashy. Uh, salvation is bread and wine. Uh, now becoming the very mystery of the cross and the resurrection. So if anything, he's just so sensitive to attracting us and not scaring us, not pushing us away by the the fireworks. And yet at the same time, that's the danger of his modus operandi is because we can take it for granted or we can say there's not much going on here. But don't we do that in family? Don't we do that with our spouses? That's why people leave each other. You're not entertaining me. You're not flashy enough. You're not good enough, pretty enough, smart enough. It's about me receiving a hit. And and that's what God risks when he comes to us so humbly, so simply. And yet he wants to reach everyone in that quiet, incarnational way is, at least from the logic of the divine mind, the way that he has chosen to save the world. Our job is to invite people into that quiet humility. Dean Jim, we've only got about two minutes left. I want to go back just as we start to close then to another key word that you used at the beginning when I asked you initially, what does it mean to be Christian? And you, I think the, it's an encounter with Jesus Christ who is alive. So encounter is a, is a word that we use a lot. What, what does it mean <laughs> in two minutes to encounter Jesus? Well, again, going, going, yeah, it's very simple. My behavior changes. My behavior changes. When you've had an encounter, your behavior changes. And again, the best analogy always is uh, uh, marital love for me. Uh, when I was a bachelor, I had a bachelor mind. When I met my future wife, Marianne, she played with my mind so much that I, I didn't know what was happening to it. And so my mind first shifted from bachelor to spousal, and then my behavior began to shift because my behavior flows from the kind of mind I have. And so I moved from a self-centered idiot bachelor to a man who finally realizes someone on the planet has needs other than me, the spousal mind. So I had an encounter with this woman. And how do you know you had an encounter with her? Your behavior changes. And that's how you know you had an encounter with God, too. Um, St. Teresa of Avila once said that a mystical experience is nothing unless you give evidence of increased charity. So you can levitate, get the stigmata, it doesn't matter. If your behavior hasn't changed, you did not have a real encounter with God. If your behavior doesn't change, you didn't have a real encounter with God. And yet, again, that encounter is not something that you can manufacture or produce or make happen. You have to receive it. And and, and just as we close here, Deacon Jim, I'm reminded of the, the idea that's been powerful for me. We can beg for that. We can't make it happen, but we can beg him to eat for either for that initial encounter, if we, we've never had it, or for him to deepen that relationship, that encounter with us. Beg. Right, and that's maybe the language I would use is, Lord, um, let me be aware of how you've been loving me since I was born. Uh, not give it to me now like you haven't been doing it already. No, he's been doing it since you were born, since you were conceived. The prayer is, Lord, let me become aware of how you've been loving me since I have been conceived.
Amen. Lord, let me be aware of how you have been loving me since I was conceived. Um, begging him for that awareness, for that gift, um, but it's not something that I can do. It's a gift that he gives us and that we receive freely. Dig and Jim, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Good to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. You bet. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for, for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.